to Civil War Talk Radio with host Jerry Prokopovich. Our program covers all aspects of Civil War history, from the battlefields to the home fronts, and features guest experts, plus insight from your host as they discuss the most critical period in American history. Now, here is your host, Jerry Prokopovich. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. In her famous Diary from Dixie, Mary Boykin Chesnut noted that every plantation mistress in the South could name the white fathers of all the mixed-race children in other households, but as to those in her own, Chesnut wrote, she seems to think they dropped from the clouds. If you drive through Civil War country in Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and so on, you may have the same thought about those colorful Civil War trail signs that can be found along the way, guiding you to sites obscure as well as popular. Did those signs drop from the clouds too? If not, who put them there? And why? We'll ask those questions and more of Drew Gruber, Executive Director of Civil War Trails, Inc., tonight on Civil War Talk Radio. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich coming to you tonight from the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. A quiet place, not occupied by students or many faculty between terms right now. Just the roar of machines everywhere as facility services has taken out all their toys, their earth movers and cranes and bulldozers, and they're doing all the disruptive work they can possibly do this week before students return for summer school in that one quiet week when they can make noise all day without bothering anyone except perhaps me, but I welcome that. And even though I'm here at ECU, I am not speaking for ECU, not speaking for UNC or North Carolina or anybody else, just myself as always, and my guests will certainly do the same. Well, the first news item, most important one to share, is to explain last week's show. Our scheduled guest was licensed 
battlefield guide, uh, Gary Cross from Gettysburg. And uh, if you were listening last week, you know that he was unable to join us. Uh, we had an alternative show lined up to talk about Civil War tourism and this hallowed ground. It turns out that uh, Gary was hospitalized. He had broken his leg and had been in a rehab hospital for several weeks. I had not been in touch with him until uh, since the time we set up the show a little while ago. I originally met him actually last year on the This Hallowed Ground tour at Gettysburg and invited him to do, uh, do a program. So I then got a call the day after the show last week from a friend of his who had gone to Gary's house and picked up his phone messages. Uh, Gary apparently is the last human being without uh, a working cell phone. And he uh, got my messages I've been leaving all week saying, don't forget the show Wednesday. So the good news is uh, he is recovering. He's uh, doing well. He has been rescheduled for... Uh, September 6th on Civil War Talk Radio after the summer break is over. When we come back, he'll be one of our first guests in the fall. So please send your uh, good thoughts his way and uh, best wishes for recovery. And hopefully he'll be be back in 100% uh, soon and we'll have him on the show in September. Not breaking a leg uh, was me last Sunday as Monstars took on Azuri in Pitt Greenville Soccer Association action. This is, of course, the thing we all tune in for each week as you want to know what happened because ESPN doesn't cover it. Fox Sports doesn't cover it. The only place you can go is Civil War Talk Radio. As uh, you will find out, we uh, fell behind in Sunday's game 1-0 in a free kick uh, midway through the first half. A slow lofted chip over over the defensive wall which mesmerized our goalkeeper so we just stood there and watched it go past him but we got a free kick back ourselves uh, nice indirect play scored just be, uh, near near halftime and then just before the half we got a corner kick and me I positioned myself far to the back of the uh, the, the, the 18 yard box uh, on the opposite side Partly because I'm a wily old player, I know the ball's likely to come all the way through and I'll do something with it. And partly because I'm an intelligent old player and I don't want to get mixed up with all those 25-year-olds in the box all pushing each other over, I would be very vulnerable there. And sure enough, the ball came through, landed at my foot. I passed it off to a 25-year-old three yards away from me, our center forward. He put it home and we got what turned out to be the winning goal. We got one more in the second half, winning 3-1. to one. So... I came away with an assist, no broken leg, and uh, just full of adrenaline. I was running around like a 40-year-old by the end of the game. Monday morning, I was unable to move once again, full of Advil, but that's another story. I am, however, still able to walk, which is a good thing, because this hallowed ground, the tour of Civil War sites in Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, is coming up soon. May 20 through 28th. Not too late for you to join us on that. If you want to know more of what it's about, last week's show is a fairly full description. Contact stephenambrosetours.com. They will set you up. Uh, we've still got a few weeks. We can fit a few more. So uh, don't be shy about that. If you're at all interested, it will be, it will be fun. 
We'll have a show next week. Uh, Michael McCarthy, author of Confederate Waterloo, The Battle of Five Forks, April 1, 1865, and The Controversy That Brought Down a General, will be our topic next week. And then on the 24th, no show, because it'll be time to tour. Coming back on May 31st, Dave Powell, longtime friend of the show, comes back. We'll talk about the third volume in his Chickamauga trilogy, Barren Victory, the retreat Chattanooga, into Chattanooga, the Confederate pursuit and the aftermath of the battle, September 21 to October 20, 1863. Uh, I don't usually read books for the show much ahead of time just because there's always this week's book to read. Uh, but this week, uh, not having a, a book to read, I've been reading Dave's book, and it's it's really good. I'm looking forward very much to talking with him about it. In June, Kevin McCarthy will be here to tell us about a musical approach to the Civil War, a piece, a jazz project he has composed called The Better Angels of Our Nature. And on the 14th of June, our last live show of the spring season will feature Tim Smith, Timothy B. Smith, not Tim Smith, the battlefield guide, uh, who I may see in a few weeks, but Timothy B. Smith, the former Shiloh Ranger and now author of Grant Invades Tennessee, the 1862 Battles for Forts Henry and Donaldson. So lots of good stuff. As always, go to impedimentsofwar.org and check out what's going on. You can buy books there through a panel that connects you to Amazon, you can support the show with a contribution through uh, PayPal, whether you have an account or not, they will somehow take your money. Uh, Mark Gaffney is the one who keeps that site running, and uh, thanks for always due to him for helping us out with that. Your donations are, however, not tax deductible, don't forget to say that. And uh, finally, before we leap forward, a an observation that we are up to 891 likes in this the year of 1,000 likes. Getting the momentum is continuing. Keep liking the show. When we get over 900, we'll soon be starting a nationwide betting pool on who will get the thousandth like, but we'll, we'll wait for that. And uh, last reminder about the Civil War Roundtable Congress coming up in September 2017, hosted by the Bull Run Civil War Roundtable, Brunswick, North Carolina Roundtable, Puget Sound, Washington, Scottsdale, Arizona, all of them getting together in Centerville, Virginia on September 16th. Uh, go to pscwrt.org slash congress, learn about that. And finally, a greeting to our friends in Claxton, Tennessee, listening to the show on Terrestrial Radio 91.7 FM, serving Claxton, also East Oak Ridge, South Clinton, and North Powell, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. If you're up in the morning listening to this, thank you for listening. Well, as I was thinking about tonight's show, I remembered that when I practiced law many years ago, I learned it was never a good idea to ask a question to which you did not know the answer that the deponent was going to give. Now, as a historian, things are very different. You spend your whole life asking questions to which you don't know the answer. That's the whole point, is to find out new things. But I still maintain some of that old feeling, especially when uh, when doing the show here. I've, I've usually read the author's book. I have a 
pretty good idea what they're likely to say about a given topic. Uh, not so much tonight. Uh, Civil War trails is our topic, and if you live on the east coast of the United States, anywhere in Civil War country, you have seen those red, white, and blue signs that say Civil War trails. The Park Service doesn't put the, put them up. Uh, the state of North Carolina doesn't put them up, uh, or at least they don't put up the ones in Virginia, and Virginia doesn't put up the ones in North Carolina. So it's, it's, it's region-wide. It's not a state initiative. Uh, who does put them up? I don't know. And I'm about to uh, find out the best way is to ask the executive director of Civil War Trails, Inc., Drew Gruber, who was our guest tonight. Drew, are you there? Thank you for having me. So I looked at your uh, CV a little bit, see where, where you've been. You, you have a degree in historic preservation from the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg. You've got a master's in urban and regional planning. Uh, how, how do you go uh, with that background? How did you get this gig uh, running Civil War Trails, Inc.? <laughs> well, I'd like to say I was uh, extremely lucky, but I, I also came armed with a peculiar set of skills, um, I guess you could say, having looked at my background in preservation and planning. Um, long story short, after my undergrad degree, which did a lot of the rudimentary work I, w- I would suppose many of your students do from uh, archival research and to uh, maybe even museum studies and exhibit design, a little bit of archaeology in there as well, I kind of thought my calling would be more towards the, uh, the way of historic preservation planning, so battlefield preservation or preservation law, or even working in downtowns with historic structures. And um, moved down to Williamsburg, Virginia, uh, with my wife, Kate, and um, very quickly got a hold of the few people here in Williamsburg who were interested in its Civil War story. One of those people happened to be my predecessor, Mitch Bowman, who was the executive director of Civil War Trails for over 20 years. Um, so I guess just getting to know Mitch and, and using Trails as one of the initiatives to interpret the what is now a lost battlefield here at Williamsburg, uh, I got to meet all the people who were part of the board, and I guess in doing so, I, I impressed them enough that when the position opened, they made me an offer. So it was uh, quite a long journey, uh, but a great one, and it's kept me on my toes. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Well, I, I, I'm curious to know more about Civil War trails, but you mentioned Williamsburg. I'm... Uh, embarrassed to admit I only visited Colonial Williamsburg for the first time this past year. As a public historian, I shouldn't even say that uh, in public where people are listening. <laughs> but it was uh, it was long overdue. Uh, you know, it's the mothership of uh, American public history of a certain style. But I, I had actually been to uh, at least where there are Civil War trails markers for the battle of the Civil War Battle of Williamsburg. You said that's a lost battle. Is that completely covered by by urban development now? Tell tell us about the Civil War Williamsburg sites. Uh, it's it's not. Matter of fact, um, when you walked down the Duke of Gloucester Street in the historic area, you were on the Civil War battlefield. And when you visited those few Civil War trail signs, you were obviously on the Civil War battlefield. Mm-hmm. But all told, uh, of what I think the Park Service determines is about a ten thousand acre study group. Um, right now we're up to 68 preserved acres, and only about three of those are publicly accessible. So little by little, um, so our, our local organization here in town, the Williamsburg Battlefield Association, does occasionally do some battlefield tours, specifically military staff rides, uh, or to special interest groups. 
Um, but we focus on telling the story of the occupation of town because we have a beautifully restored historic area to do that in. Um, so little by little, I think, you know, although it's the black sheep, I guess you would say, of, of town, it's becoming more notable. People are starting to take notice of it, especially, you know, the the public historians and, and those who administer Colonial Williamsburg are starting to realize that their, their narrative can't simply end at 1781. So uh, it's been a real thrill living here in town. Um, I'm always at odds with my wife, who is an 18th century curator. Um, so we, we go back and forth about the peninsula and the historic triangle's most important century. And, of course, we have our biases. So, <laughs> well, Where does she work, if I could ask? Um, she works for the Jamestown Yorktown Foundation. Um, the state of Virginia operates two museums, Jamestown Settlement and the Yorktown Victory Center, which is now the brand-new American Revolution Museum at Yorktown. So the next time you want to come to town, we can we can get some 18th and 19th century touring in. Uh, but uh, that was part of uh, you know what my wife and I did when we visited. We drove around to Yorktown, and and I, I did feel the the two poles. I'm thinking, okay, here's where McClellan is uh, laying siege, uh, but here's also where Washington and Lafayette are laying siege. These are uh, the two things are going on here. It, it's a very uh, uh, interesting spot in American history where we have such significant things directly overlaid to one another. So um, we're going to take a break in a few minutes. I don't want to leave our guests hanging, or listeners hanging any longer than I am. Um, Civil War Trails, you said, uh, was run by your predecessor for, you said, 20 years? Yes, Civil War Trails began in 1994 with the Lee's Retreat Trail. So, so, he's, so it's he's an, been on board oh, I want to say, since maybe 96 or 97. Mitch Bowman was the previous executive director, and I've only been in the chair now since August of 15. So, and who, who started it in 1994? <laughs> a lot of people lay claim to that, um, but there are, there are a couple culprits that I can absolutely identify. Chris Calkins, uh, who is very mm-hmm. famous for his works on Lee's Retreat, um, obviously from Petersburg to Appomattox. Jack Berry, who is now with Richmond Region Tourism, um, they essentially took the idea of, of marking the route from Five Forks and Petersburg to Appomattox and made it publicly accessible, or at least so you could follow it in your car, stop at the waysides and listen to the radio transmissions. And from there, they, they didn't stop. They had these series of roundtable meetings, and they said, well, now that we can get them from Petersburg to Appomattox, we should probably take them from Germana Ford to Petersburg, and now we're up to five states. Well, that, that's very interesting. I did the the Lee uh, retreat tour. I, I do recall seeing those signs as well. That uh, uh, that obviously form now part of the Civil War trails. Well, let's take a short break. Come back. Find out more about where Civil War trails is, what it does, uh, who does it, and. Uh, other questions all for drew gruber he's our guest tonight executive director of civil war trails inc i'm jerry prokopovich this is civil war talk radio streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live and on demand. 
No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's p-r-o-k-o-p-o-w-i-c-z-g at ecu dot edu. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Drew Gruber, Executive Director of Civil War Trails, Inc. We started talking in the first section about what Civil War Trails, Inc. uh, is, where it originated. Turns out 20 years ago, it was started to mark the trail of Lee's Army retreating from Richmond to Appomattox with signs and interpretation and has now spread across five states. Uh, Drew, the Civil War Trails, Inc. has a website, which is civilwartrails.org, which means it's an org, it's a non-profit. Uh, if it's a non-profit, who, who pays for it? I'm going to ask the money question. Where, where, who funds your group? <laughs> that was the first question I asked in my interview as well. Uh, <laughs> it's a good question, one I get frequently. So Civil War Trails is a nonprofit organization, and it has been a partnership now um, between five different states. So we have Tennessee, North Carolina, Maryland, West Virginia, and Virginia. And there's even been some interest um, from a couple counties in Pennsylvania. So our board and our officers are made up of say, the tourism officials from each one of those states. They help us work on the DOT compliance of them, uh, of each of the individual signs. Um, But it's really truly driven at the grassroots level, which I think gives us a really interesting approach to public history, but maybe I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, So really there's kind of two revenue streams that we use to operate. And being a nonprofit, we don't use any type of grant money. We're not subsidized by a state or the federal government. Um, When somebody wants to purchase a Civil War Trail sign, that is one avenue of income for us. But every single Civil War Trail sign that's in the ground, a reinterpretive panel that we have out there, should have a sustaining sponsor behind it. Usually that sustaining sponsor might be, say, a local chamber of commerce or an economic development agency. Occasionally it'll be a restaurant that's adjacent to the sign. Um, We even have some roundtables and even some genealogical societies that are those sustaining sponsors. So that's really who drives us financially and has really allowed us to weather a series of fiscal storms. Because of our diverse membership, we're, we're really able to kind of 
I guess you could say, sort of ride above the waves. That, that is really interesting. I, I, as I said in the introduction, I normally don't ask a question where I'm not sure, pretty sure what the answer is going to be. And that does, this is one I've wondered many years now, seeing those signs, because they're, they're very well-made signs and the interpretation uh, looks reasonable, sophisticated. It's not just a, a, you know, a, a plaque of, of who was here and when, but uh, you know, they, they match the standards that you see at, at park service sites or state sites. So uh, th- that's the first question any public historian will ask is, where does the money come from? Who's going to support this effort? It's right. like having a good idea is not enough. Uh, someone's got to <laughs> pay for it. So if, if I were to say, listeners, let's all pony up and buy ourselves a sign, um, how would we do that? So normally we don't have individuals who sponsor a sign that's already in the ground, and I, I'll revisit that in, in a moment. But let's say sure. you had a specific site, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say to you as a little bit of a teaser, I'm in the process of reviewing all the signs in Pitt County right now, and they're all going to get some new treatments, and there'll be some new media and some new directional signs for you. So, um, like I said, I won't spoil it, so you'll have to ride out to Pitt uh, all the way through your county here in the next couple months and check out what we've done with your signs. Um, but Excellent. let's say you have a civil work site that you want to add. You reach out to us. We'll talk to you a little bit about the site. Um, we really get inquiries almost on a daily basis of people who have great sites. Um, we do get inquiries of people who don't have great sites as well. Uh, and we walk them through other options for, for their site and their interpretation. But if you have a site that really speaks to an individual campaign or perhaps is a lesser-known site that, that does speak to an overall narrative, and there's some decent parking, which is always the hardest part, um, mm-hmm. you kind of qualify for what we're looking for. Um, I'm the only full-time staff member for five states. But I do have a series of part-time folks who help me out, so they'll vet the original packet. So if we do get past the point where we think you have a good site for the Civil War Trails program and there's some decent parking there, you'll send us an idea of what it was that you wanted to discuss, maybe some of the media images or maps that you had in mind. That'll kind of go through our historian as well as our board member from that state or the regional director from that state and determine if it, if it really fits the program. Uh, and then at that point, we, we get to the cash, which, truth be told, Jerry, is, is really never the hardest part. The hardest part of this is finding the correct site where you can actually stand there where the event happened, see the building where the, the person had their headquarters or, um, or where the action took place, uh, and also have some decent parking to get people safely to that wayside. Uh, that's really the hardest part of the whole program is, is finding the right type of site. I, that makes sense. The, when you talk about parking, I, I know uh, going to the Battle of Wise Fork, for example, uh, mm-hmm. just south of here around Kinston, North Carolina, there are some some signs, there are some state ones, but I believe there are also some Civil War trail markers there. And this, the, the two-lane, like it's four-lane uh, state highway is really busy and high speed, but you can pull off safely. There, there are areas where you can do that, and if they weren't there... Uh, yeah, that, that that then your marker just becomes a hazard. Uh, so so I can see why that's so important. So you said people sometimes uh, have a marker that maybe doesn't qualify. Somebody says, "Well, my family story is my great grandfather was got wounded at this spot. I want a marker here." Is that the, is that the kind of thing you get that you can't do? 
Sometimes uh, it really depends. We got a, we we get a lot of inquiries from churches, uh, mm-hmm. and they usually will want to interpret um, the people buried in the yard, and we'll tend to look for someone of particular significance in a churchyard, um, but we're also going to determine whether or not they want people there at all hours of the day. Um, because as you know, Civil War tourists are, are rabid. Um, they'll go at any hour. If they're driving past the site and they see a historic marker, they will crane their neck at 60 miles an hour to read it or slam on the brakes to make sure they don't pass that bugle. Um, so we're not only looking about at the the integrity of the story that's going to be told there, but the accessibility of the site. So, for example, I, I give about churches, in many instances, if, if there's a really good thread of a story to tell there, um, we have Confederate soldiers buried next to emancipated slaves who served in a USCT regiment, for example, really a really evocative personal story that might work on the trail system. Um, we do want to bring up with the property owner the fact that we'll get people driving by at all hours, um, it, and that tends to be a concern. Um, we just got a question uh, about a, a great site having to do with the Underground Railroad in Stafford, Virginia, but the house is private property. And they got a little, a little nervous when I described to them just how many maps we ship and how much advertising we do about each one of the sites. Um, so, I mean, you, you take a little bit at a time. Every site's a little different. Every site's a little unique. Um, but there is a, a litmus test we use. Absolutely. Do you ever get involved in in development controversies where, you know, maybe a group is thinking if we get a Civil War trails marker here, it'll help us keep Walmart out, uh, or conversely, Walmart saying we don't want that marker next to our property because we want to put a bigger grocery store there next year. Not in my tenure, um, but we do have a number of signs on landscapes that have been changed dramatically. Um, Northern Virginia is a great example. Some sites around Nashville and Knoxville are other examples of where these signs have were really kind of the the mitigation for the loss of, say, the landscape. Uh, in some cases, they were worked at as the proffer, so what the developer would give for the loss of that. Um, in other instances, and, and I'm happy to report most of those, uh, at least that I'm aware of, it was kind of an amicable decision. Um, you know, this is an important part of our of our narrative, our town's story, but at the same time, the town is also growing, and this is the smartest way to go about it. So we'll pull in a Civil War trail sign as part of that. Um, we frequently get contacted because we have these state partnerships by DOTs uh, mm-hmm. who will be amending a bridge or going through a battlefield or widening a road, and we'll get called in to help with that. So, for example, right now, um, we're working with the Virginia Department of Transportation on some projects in Culpeper, Virginia, around Brandy Station. Um, so while our signs aren't going to be tied in to, say, a local park or the Brandy Station Foundation, it definitely fills in the dot between each one of these different sites. So, yeah, we, we are involved in the conversation many times at that level. And you mentioned the, the tourism agencies of states that I mean, heritage tourism is a, a growing phenomenon. I guess it's probably always been there, but people are becoming more aware of it uh, and and hopefully more more towns and communities are becoming aware of it as a way to boost their economy rather than putting in the new Walmart. Uh, you can draw more people uh, with less damage to things uh, in many cases with, with a historic awareness. So do you, do you get that kind of interaction? Do you get somebody from the State Chamber of Commerce or the State Tourism agency saying, you know, we'd really like some more of these in our state? 
Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, one of the things we do when usually it's, say, a local roundtable, a heritage group, genealogical society who approach us and, and they have a phenomenal site that they want to interpret. We just worked on one of these in a small town called Rogersville, Tennessee. Um, great little battle that I had never heard of before called Big Creek in November of 1863. It was kind of the local historical society and some movers and shakers in their sort of heritage world who raised the money, um, put the parking in, and then at that point the county's chamber of commerce came in and they have adopted that sign, meaning that they, they pay us that annual fee, which allows us to maintain it, to update the wording if we need to shift it, and also to, to market that as well. And the chambers of commerce are behind us. Um, yes. Like I said, the vast majority of our sponsors of the extant signs that are out there are these chambers of commerce and economic development agencies, convention and visitors bureaus, because they realize that the folks who are visiting these sites um, might not necessarily just be folks like you and I. Um, my board tells me, and, and I've come around to agree with them, that the average Civil War visitor is probably half people like you and I, or the folks you're going to take out on the This Hollowed Ground tour, and mm-hmm. half people that you and I might not really expect to be a Civil War tourist. Um, so, for example, we just put in a new sign at a place called the Catoctin Breeze Vineyard which is on Route 15 directly between Gettysburg and Frederick. Mm-hmm. And it's along the Union march to Gettysburg and also the Confederate retreat. There's a beautiful covered bridge right next to it, and it perfectly lines up um, with the gap that the Union Army marched through for a watercolor that we had. And when we were there, the people who were enjoying the local winery are relatively younger, but they're also interested in unique landscapes. So I wouldn't necessarily call them, say, a heritage tourist like you and I would maybe plan a vacation, but they're the type of people who will drive out of their way to, to go to a local winery or to eat at a farm-to-table restaurant or to stay at a bed and breakfast. And those are the exact type of people who are becoming more inclined to Civil War sites because of their uniqueness. And I think if we approach it from a very personal interpretation, um, we might just pull them onto the heritage tourist side of things. So you and I were corresponding a little bit in advance of this, and uh, you raised my curiosity about uh, about who sees these signs, uh, who the the demographics are of, of Civil War site visitors. Do you do you have information about that? Uh, are you able to go to a, a, a town and say, well, we know when we put up a sign, you're going to get X thousand people seeing it, or or we know that they're going to be mostly guys like Jerry who are you know in their 50s white bearded male or do, we, what, we do, do have... um, it's 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 really cool and I hope it excites not only your future guests but also the listeners in the show to realize that Civil War um, as a tourism initiative is not going away. In fact, I think it's getting younger. It may be getting a little less affluent as well, but I think it's definitely getting younger. Interesting. Um, hmm. the coolest part about Working in partnership with these state organizations is, of course, they do surveys. So, you know, maybe perhaps when you left Colonial Williamsburg, somebody tried to tackle you with a clipboard and say, oh, could you take a minute and tell us about your experience? Um, If you walk into a visitor center, you may find some surveys there as well. And those help pull together a lot of information. So we have a lot of information about the folks who visited the five states during the Susquecentennial. We have a lot of information from before that and after that. Um, But for Civil War Trails, we're, we're a little different in the fact that I could sit all day in Parrotsville, Tennessee, um, or Fort Fisher, or Sitlington's Hill at McDowell, 
uh, or my favorite sign in Fox's Gap in Maryland and see completely different demographics and visitation. So it's it's a little difficult for me to put my finger on the pulse. Um, But we're pretty confident that a few things are happening, and I kind of gave it away before. We think that the average visitor to these sites um, is getting a little bit younger. They're disconnecting. So they're not going out there and immediately using maybe a digital device, for example, to enhance their experience while they're there. They may be becoming less affluent, um, so we'll see what happens with that over the course of of several years now. Um, But we also think about half of them are, I don't want to call them accidental visitors, but people who maybe didn't set out to visit a Civil War site. So that's kind of what I suspect is going on right now, and it's it's really invigorating to see. And a lot of that I get just from simply talking to people as I'm, say, spray painting the sign or cleaning it up, or I just stopped and pulled over for a minute to make a notation on one of our maps. So the, the accidental visitor is an interesting concept. I, I imagine a lot of listeners have their own story of how they were first introduced to Civil War studies, and maybe it was from an accidental visit, maybe a school field trip or a, a family visit. That was certainly my experience visiting Antietam when I was 10 years old with the family, and my family were not Civil War uh, enthusiasts by any means. They were just thought it would be an interesting place to stop, I suppose. And and it didn't take with my brothers. They they're not they didn't get the bug, but I did. And uh, that must happen to a certain percentage of those people who, who see one of your signs and uh, decide to look around and see the landscape and go away thinking, I want to learn a little more about that. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, I've been at multiple sites working on them, or like I said, just kind of pulled over, and you know the brakes will go squealing on a minivan, and undoubtedly the van will pull in, um, stop, get out. You can tell that the family's frustrated or dad's lost somewhere on a byway, um, and I start <laughs> chatting with them a little bit, and, and you know they're on their way to or from, say, an aunt or uncle's house. Um, mm-hmm. But they've in, in a couple instances, they've come to realize that wherever they see this red bugle, they, they can usually pull over, and there's a little bit of room for the kids to run, and there might be some type of amenity for maybe dad who's more interested in history. And that really, to me, is, is, is my driving motivation as we edit the signs and we refresh the signs to think about who our audience is. And it doesn't mean I'm changing them so the signs aren't intriguing to you know, somebody like yourself or any of your listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, but I need to be cognizant about, you know, how many people stop by the site maybe by accident or how many people in the car really aren't pumped that Dad loves the Civil War and has to take the byway <laughs> to get to the aunt's house. Um, so those are all, you know, I would call them heritage tourists if they stop. Maybe all five of them aren't particularly interested in it, but are they not heritage tourists because they stopped at a cultural site? Um, conversely, a place like Harrisonburg, Virginia, or Franklin, Tennessee, the people who are at Harrisonburg for the microbreweries or for the hiking are also the same people I see reading the signs. And if I go up to them and I ask them, you know, what would you come to town for? Nine times out of ten, they'll say, oh, well, we're getting away from D.C. We wanted to do a little bit of hiking, check out the new brewery. If I'm in Franklin and I see somebody reading a sign, they're typically in Franklin or Nashville for music. Mm-hmm. And these are the same people who are reading the signs. So I would argue back that are they not heritage tourists? Uh, and it's in a way to bring vein, people in. I'm going to step in just for a sec. We're going to take another short break, come back, find out more about who sees these signs and how they get into the Civil War world. Talking tonight with Drew Gruber, Executive Director of Civil War Trails, Inc. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. This is Civil War Talk Radio. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Civil War Talk Radio. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to prokopovichg at ecu dot edu. That's P-R-O-K-O-P-O-W-I-C-Z-G at E-C-U dot E-D-U. Now, back to Civil War Talk Radio. And welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking with Drew Gruber, Executive Director of Civil War Trails, Inc. They are the people who put the colorful red, white, and blue historic markers Uh, plaques, uh, interpretation you can get out of your car and read at Civil War sites throughout Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland, Tennessee, and West Virginia. Uh, Drew, when I'm teaching uh, introduction to to public history to students, I try to make it clear to them that it's a glamorous life in public history. If you end up working at a small Museum, you may well be the executive director and also the curator, the fundraiser, the ticket taker, the janitor, the groundskeeper, uh, and everything else. Uh, you, you'll be the whole thing. And you're, you've mentioned several times you're out there uh, doing maintenance work on signs or construction work. Uh, you said you're the only full-time employee of the organization. Is that correct? That is, yeah. It's a lot of ground to cover. So, So you really are doing... All these things. You, you, do you have do you have contractors at all who, who do anything with the signs, or, or are you the guy? Well, we have we have a couple part time people um, who who have made the program tick since 1994. Um, we have a part time historian on staff, um, gentleman by the name of John Salmon, who did a lot of work with the Virginia Department of Historic Resources. Um, so typically, John is the one who receives the initial packet from, say, the Historic Society, or should you all decide you want to put a sign there in Greenville. And John will look at it and determine if there's some merit to the work, um, if the, the history is good, if the resolution of the images is good, um, and then I'll go back and I'll start working with the municipality to determine the correct site for the sign. Um, I have a gentleman who works with us, Jason Schaefer. Jason has installed every single Civil War trail sign since 1994. He's the guy who really makes the program look great. Um, so many instances, Jason and I will, will plan, you know, sorties into Tennessee, and we'll spend a week and a couple thousand miles and 
add or amend 30-something signs in a trip. Uh, other instances will split, and he'll do North Carolina, and I'll do Maryland. Um, typically, after 5 o'clock, I sit down and I start editing, looking for more information for each one of these signs, writing emails about shifting sign locations. But yeah, it's, it's a lot to handle um, for, for one person. So I've continually reminded the board that wouldn't it be nice if we had some extra full-time help, and they responded uh, by bringing on um, at least a part-time administrator to help me out. So I'm very fortunate to have a great administrator uh, by my side when I'm not uh, in the saddle, as it were, in the truck. Um, we work together to to keep those memberships alive and to make sure we've indexed the sites and we're recording where we're sending maps, what signs we've worked on, and, and so forth. Wow. So uh, looking at your the website for Civil War Trails, uh, it shows that there are maps that you produce, and I've used these maps before, that, that show where your markers are and suggest routes that a, a visitor can follow to, to do a self-guided tour of, of different states. And again, I guess those certainly cost money. That that's not enough. That's another thing uh, for you to produce. Yeah, absolutely. So Civil War Trails produces uh, solely or in partnership fifteen maps. Um, drilled down as far as something like Lee's Retreat um, or even John Wilkes Booth's route um, away from Washington, D.C. Um, but we also produce statewide maps. So, for example, in North Carolina, um, you can request a, a North Carolina map, and it will show you all the Civil War Trail sites throughout North Carolina, even highlighting some of the national park sites, um, but then specifically highlight the Carolinas campaign. So if you're in the car with a good co-pilot, you can pull the map out and follow that. Um, I should mention we're getting ready to redo the website. It shows its age, um, Mm -hmm. so we're going to try to bring it up to speed. So if you, say, are lost somewhere in western West Virginia and want to know where you are or where the closest Civil War Trail sign is, you'll be able to pull that up on your phone and check it out. Um, But, yeah, there's been no downturn in the interest in maps. Uh, Last calendar year, my office shipped 50,000 maps. Um, and then the states themselves also shipped about 75,000 total. Um, so whereas we have, say, apps available for your phones in Maryland and Tennessee, and the downloads are strong, um, we see a lot of people reverting back to analog. It's kind of refreshing, but it is a lot to keep up with. I will say it's very comforting to have a physical map in one's pocket, uh, especially in some of these remote areas. The reception may not be so good. Your phone may not be getting uh, the signal. And and to know that you can just pull out that paper and see where the next sign is uh, if you're planning a tour is is a a good thing. Uh, There were... So, again, in trying to figure out what the origin and, and story was with your organization, I was looking online a little bit, and I came across something called Civil War Heritage Trails in South Carolina, Alabama, and Georgia. Are you related to that? Are they modeled after you? Do you know anything about that organization? Um, I was told about them, um, and it was made clear that they, they were not affiliated with our program at all. Um, I haven't had a chance to visit any of their sites yet. Certainly, whenever I get a visitor request from somebody, say, visiting Chattanooga, I make sure I put them on to that program as well. So if they go over the mountains into into Georgia or Alabama, they have a chance to, to follow some type of narrative as they go. But no, they're not associated with us. Um, we get questions all the time about the Carolinas campaign. They say, well, why don't you start in South Carolina? Um, and I think at this point, um, not only being junior to the seat, but also making sure that our interpretation and our directional signs are locked on. We haven't, we, Civil War Trails, we haven't considered expanding quite yet. 
Um, so no, uh, we're not related to them, um, but I think the idea is sound and it's similar in the way that you're supposed to follow these signs from site to site and network with the Park Service and state sites as well. Uh, that makes sense. Likewise, on the website, there was uh, an organization, CivilWarTours.net. Uh, is that a, a separate organization? Is that just a sponsor? Is there a connection? No, um, there's not. But there, there are a multiple number of touring companies that are out there um, who will call us to say, hey, um, we're going to hit several Civil War trail sites on, on this journey if we go up or down the valley. Um, can we use your logo um, if you send us a bunch of maps and things of that nature? Uh, and then we kind of create a little bit of a partnership that's there. Um, but no, Civil War trails itself, um, we're responsible for our 1,500 sites and what is it, almost 200,000 square miles now. Wow, it is uh, really interesting to to see that there is such interest that local governments and state governments are willing to uh, to fund this, or well, not fund directly, but to to support with their cooperation, and that sponsors are willing to fund this uh, to the extent yeah. to keep it up. The the fact that you you have an annual maintenance fee to to maintain a site is is very interesting because that's another thing that people outside the public history world don't recognize. Uh, people will will come to you and say, oh, we, we want to start a local museum in our community, or we want to build an exhibit, and they're full of enthusiasm to, to create it, but then you have to maintain it. Someone's got to keep things operating and keep things going, and that's where the real expense comes in. So... Uh, I mean, that would be a danger if you did not do that, if you put up a set of beautiful signs and didn't maintain them, and they began to deteriorate, it would it would be worse than if you hadn't done anything at all. You're right, and, and that's probably the hardest part in keeping the program up and running is making sure that every year we have that same participation uh, when we need to reach out to potentially a different sponsor. Let's say somebody comes up short one year and they just don't have it in their budget. Um, mm-hmm. You know, We can reach out to a myriad different organizations in that community to do it. Um, but really what that means is that Civil War Trails is constantly evolving. It's a living, breathing program. So you talked about Wise Fork before. I've been in a lot of conversations with the folks down in that area about maybe adjusting where those signs are uh, mm-hmm. in Pitt County. I said we're in the process of, of rewording many of the signs, changing the focus a little bit. And the only reason we can do that is because we do have these sponsors, these annual sponsors, who understand the value of tourism, and, and they literally afford us the opportunity to do it. And in doing so, we're creating uh, excitement for the Civil War buff to return again, because every few years these signs are refreshed, and you might see a new picture that you'd never seen before. Um, it's not uncommon for me to have daguerreotypes physically mailed to me out of somebody's mm-hmm. attic to be put on a sign. Um, but that's the greatest part about the program. It is sustainable. It's supported at all levels of the of the community, which means that the signs are both intriguing, but they're also super unique. Um, it, it's a phenomenal program. I'm just thrilled to be at the helm of it, and it's it's been a whirlwind uh, almost two years now. Wow, well, it, it is it, it, it is an exciting program. The I believe it is a Civil War trail sign that is between my house and the grocery store I go to. It's at the Red Bank's Primitive Baptist Church on Fire Tower Road in Greenville in Pitt County. Oh, I know it well. <laughs> and when when it was either first put in or refreshed a few years ago, the local TV station did a story about it, 
and I was a Civil War historian here at ECU. I, I got to stand out there on a rainy day, of course, uh, next to the sign and answer questions from the well-meaning reporter about uh, the sign and about the Civil War in Pitt County. And I, now that I'm, I'm just fired up uh, on my way home, I'll stop to get something to bring home for a late dinner, and I'll, I'll pull off and go look at that sign. But that brings us back full circle to to, to parking. Uh the the, uh, the the parking lot of that church, it's not a regularly occupied church as far as I can tell. They have events there. But it is a place where you you couldn't just pull over if there weren't dedicated parking for it because it's a otherwise somewhat hazardous intersection. Uh, but, but I am now all excited to go see that sign once again and remind myself that we have a Civil War trails marker within... Uh, throwing distance practically. I don't want to let you go without asking you, we just have a few minutes left about uh, Decimus Barziza, if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, yeah. You wrote an article about this person. <laughs> Who is this guy in, in, in the 30-second elevator speech? Uh, so long story short, Decimus at Ultimus Barziza is the tenth and last child of this uh, family here in Williamsburg, and um, he fits very squarely into some recent historiography about that young antebellum southern uh, man. Moves out to Texas, joins the 4th Texas, and um, has a, a pretty detailed diary of his time uh, in the 4th Texas, as well as his time as a prisoner of war and his escape. Um, living here in Williamsburg and on the Duke of Gloucester Street for a while, I just became enamored with his story, and the more I dig into it, um, just the the more almost insane it becomes. Uh, I had a chance to connect with a family recently, and they're really involved in their genealogy. And um, now it's been almost, geez, six years or so, and I have yet to really put pen to paper. But slowly it's coming along. But he has a phenomenal story as a prisoner of war and as a Confederate captain, a line officer. Um, and it's, it's truly illuminating to see all the different people and things that he experiences across our hemisphere during these four years. Wow. Well, that, that uh, it's good to have a book project on the back burner that you can turn to, uh, uh, that you know you can turn to when the time comes to, to get that taken care of. So in our last minute, I'll ask you a truly impossible question. Which is uh, your favorite of the uh, Civil War Trail sites? <laughs> That's pretty, actually, for me, it's an easy one. Um, okay. We have a sign called a 19th century backpacker at Turner's Gap in South Mountain, Maryland. Um, the sign itself is in, in the gap. It is where uh, Old National Road, US 40, crosses the Appalachian Trail. And instead of trying to unpack the actions at South Mountain and Turner's Gap through a 200-word sign, mm-hmm. we simply used a very authentic-looking Civil War reenactor and detailed what he had on his person and called it the 19th Century Backpacker. It's probably one of our most popular signs. We get the most comments about it. But that's exactly the thesis of what Civil War Trails is all about. It relates the landscape to the people who are crossing by it or using it. And in this instance, it's the AT hikers. So it's, it is probably my favorite sign on definitely my favorite Civil War battlefield. Wow. Well, that, that's another one for all of us to go see. Everybody listening, when you're next uh, in South Mountain, make sure you pull over and check that out or hiking the trail uh, take a moment to take a look drew it's been a real pleasure talking with you uh, i've learned a great deal i'm sure our listeners have too thank you so much for being on the show thank you for having me it was an honor and listeners as always thank you for listening to civil war talk radio 
Thank you for embarking on a part of American history this week. Civil War Talk Radio with Jerry Prokopovich can be heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. Thank you.